So please bear with us on this one. There are a few audio issues because during this thing, that's when the YouTube outage happened. And if you guys don't follow us on YouTube, we also live stream the podcast on YouTube. So we were wondering why it was acting so funny and what was going on. And actually the YouTube outage happened during this episode. So bear with it a little bit. I tried to edit out as much as I could and hopefully it's listenable. I think most of it is listenable. And what I really want to get across is that these guys have a show on Animal Planet called Scaled. And I love it if you guys can support them because unlike a lot of other shows in the past, they are showing reptiles in a great light. And also they are reptile guys who happen to get a TV show, not guys who want to be on TV that happen to be into reptiles. So I think it's important to support dudes like this. I really enjoy talking to them. So enjoy this episode with Greg and Chris from the Animal Planet show Scaled, as well as from Cornell's World Terrariums. So we have a rooster weighed in a black PVC. You get it? So it's our BBC, and it's hidden in the background of several scenes. We tried to have it in the background of every scene. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. From the Ground Up, still... Yeah, what am I talking about? So, our guests today will be on in a little bit later and we'll introduce them, but we're going to get the intro and stuff out of the way. More so, than intro. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk. We have a bunch of stuff to talk about. So, basically, shirts are available. What? We don't need the, the earphones right oh, now. Oh, yeah, not right now, but I'm going to keep them on so when they come on. Hey, Brisa. So, oh, crazy. as always, shirts are available. PortCityPythons.com. And Amazon links are below, and animals are available, and all that good stuff. We will be at the Oak Show in Pennsylvania on October, nope, just kidding, November 10th, and we will see all of you guys there. And then, as you guys know, we were at Tinley this year. We? You keep saying we. I was at Tinley this weekend, so... That being said, we will talk about that later. Yes, because now our guest is here. And now, perfect timing. Our guests are here, so you guys may know Greg and Chris from Animal Planet's show Scaled. And they have a company called Cornell's World, which they build custom vivariums for snake owners and reptile keepers of all types. So Chris and Greg, thank you guys so much for being here. And uh, let's start off a little bit on where you're from and uh, what you guys got going on. Um, Well, we're from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, I've been doing this for about 18 years now. And uh, Chris has joined me for the last, I don't know, almost yeah, about five months. Basically, once we started filming, he was kind of brought on full time. And yeah, we built crazy custom terrariums. We've been building them for basically 18 years is when I started, but it was, you know, doing two or three a year and it's evolved. And this show has definitely changed the way we, we build things. We've never built crazy enclosures like we, we have for the show. So how did you two meet each other? 
Uh, we're friends uh, through the reptile community. Chris has been into reptiles for a long time, and uh, yeah, and I've been I've been into reptiles probably probably around twenty years. Um, and yeah, we met at the shows. He was actually one of my wood sales reps for a while, and uh, yeah, we passion for reptiles, I guess, is where it all started. And now, how long have you been doing this full time? Um, I've been doing it full time for about five years. Um, we ended up, me and my daughter ended up going on Dragon's Den, which is kind of the uh, Canadian equivalent of Shark Tank. Um, and at that point, I decided to uh, to give it a go full time. I got a deal on the show, but I backed out afterwards. But kind of the opportunity to try and uh, see if I could make it a full time endeavor. Now, if you don't mind me asking, what was the deal? How much was it? And why did you back out? <laughs> the funny, the crazy thing about it was, is I was asking for 80000 for 20%, and he gave me 100000 for the same percentage. He gave me more than what I was asking. But uh, it's, on the show, it's a handshake deal, so it doesn't really mean a lot until you, you know, sign the paperwork. And I said afterwards that if they were willing to help me build the business, then I was interested. But if it was just money, I would get a bank loan and I never heard back from them again. So I went to the bank instead. It, I mean, it's all TV, it, TV, uh, TV magic as they, as they say. So it, uh, you know, they make it all look really good on TV for, you know, the investors and, and the businesses or make them look really bad. But at the end of the day, you can walk away at any point until you sign basically the contract. So a lot of us are just hobbyists and we would love to do this full time. And something like if we were on here in the States, Shark Tank, uh, you know, $80,000 sounds like a lot <laughs> and plenty enough to start a reptile business. But you, it's hard to convince people from the outside to kind of understand what the reptile industry is even at all. So how did you go about doing that? Um, I, I think they could see the passion. Um, I would say that's the biggest thing for them um, because, yeah, they didn't know anything about reptiles. The one guy thought tarantulas were cool and, and stuff like that, but, like, they've never had any themselves and don't understand that. I mean, this is a billion-dollar industry, like, especially in the U.S., it's huge. Um, and, you know, we're lucky enough to, especially with this show, I think we're kind of the tip of the iceberg for the exposure that we can get with what we're doing now. And I mean, right now it's just kind of in limbo because we don't know if we're going to be getting a second season yet or what's going to happen with that. But yeah, I mean, fingers crossed, but they kind of put us in a crappy time slot. So it's really hard to get good exposure on a Friday night when everybody's out, you know, doing stuff. So um, for the network, the biggest thing for them is is making sure that the viewers see the show. It doesn't doesn't seem to matter if it's um, if it's PVR'd or you know, especially with everybody streaming these days, those numbers don't count for anything. Um, so our our biggest hurdle right now is making sure people know what this is about and and getting the exposure we need so that the network believes that they're investing their money in you know a viable TV show. Now. <laughs> Because obviously I hit you up just after uh, seeing you respond to something on a Facebook group, on a re regular reptile group. So is part of getting that exposure just being, you know, out in the reptile community, whether it be social media or other means? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that that's definitely helped our cause. And it's really weird when you think about it. Like, you know, we don't see ourselves as like being stars by any means. And, you know, I would say until it's, you know, maybe three or four seasons in, it won't really hit us. But, you know, it's crazy. You don't you don't go to a movie and, and go on a Facebook group and chat with the person that you just watched. So, like, I kind of, you know, for me, I think it's really cool that we can interact with people. Um, sometimes, most of the time it's good. I mean, we've had definitely some arguments with people, but we know that we can't please everybody. And that's really for me, especially that's going to be the hardest thing is just knowing that what we're doing has a good reason behind it. And, and, you know, not everybody's going to like it, but we move forward and, you know, our biggest thing for this show is just exposing reptiles to the mass public that, you know, no, it, we can't we can't make these uh, you know these so-called experts happy all the time. But if we can introduce a hundred thousand to a million more people that want to get into reptiles, like it's I'm I'm happy with that. Part of it too is we've got a really good uh, pastor too. Uh, they're pretty proud. I mean, we're all pretty, like, pretty good friends. Um, we've become good friends during filming and stuff too. But uh, a big part of it is is we know we were there in the same position a few months ago, right? forever so you, you want to kind of keep that contact you want to keep that at ground level contact where it's, it's more personal it means a lot more to people when you can actually respond back to them in person like that to me that would be really cool if, if i was on the other side of that so we try to approach it that way as if we were on the other side yeah i think there's something to that because today especially the younger kids are kind of used to being able to interact with people on youtube yep. or social media and like uh they there's a barrier that's totally kind of it's disposed of via thing. the internet. Yeah. What well, is it's it's crazy because like 20 30 years ago, you know, there might have been some forums that we were part of, but like I mean, I used to remember getting the 5 years ago. Well, I know, <laughs> but like 20 years ago, like you interacted with people either at the reptile shows or you waited for the four newsletters you'd get in a year yeah. to be able to see who was selling stuff. Like things have changed. It's so much easier to get access to information and, and the animals. Like it's crazy. Well, exactly. Now, how do you guys go about, I mean, what are the, what is the feedback from the reptile community that you have gotten thus far? And, and how do you go about, cause you're saying like experts are mad. And I mean, they're you, always, no matter what, people are going to be mad at something. So, yeah. I mean, what are you supposed to do? The biggest, well, it's, it's like I said, it's hard to please everybody, but the problem is, is a lot of the people that have been around for like 20, 30 years, they're of the mindset that the way they do it is the only way that it should be done. And they aren't willing to accept the fact that other ways work. Um, for example, like there's been three different, I guess, kind of groups that we've had issues with. One was bearded dragons. Um, and we knew that one was going to happen just with the whole sand debate. Um, we didn't hear any of that. For some reason, we're, we're cutting out when Chris speaks for some reason. I don't know if you need to be closer or something. <laughs> Just get all nice and close like. I find it's kind of, uh, I, t I find it's typically actually the, not newer keepers, but sort of the intermediate keepers, the ones that have been doing it for maybe two or three years. They know enough to know some stuff, and then it's, now they're suddenly an expert, right? Now they want everything my way or the highway. You can only do this this way. Uh, where I find a lot of the long-term guys I talk to understand and know that 
there's not one way of doing anything. There's a lot of different ways to work, like the whole bearded dragon sand thing. You know, we've got pictures of them in the wild on sand, but people freak out when they see sand. It's pretty funny. Well, the funny thing about that is, is I mean, this people, a lot of people don't understand that this also has to appeal to mass, the mass media and everybody else. So there is some things that we don't even agree with, you know, full heartedly. Um, but like, you know, we aren't going to sell. Battles. Yeah, we aren't going to sell a bearded dragon enclosure on TV that has paper towel in the bottom. It's just not going to look good. So, you know, in that respect, sure, if you want to do paper towel, once we've done this for TV, do what you want. But like for a lot of those things is, you know, we got to pick kind of the middle ground and and keep the viewers happy and it's got to be flashy enough for them to, to, to say that that looked awesome. And, uh, but I mean, for our biggest thing is just making sure the animals are happy. And sometimes some people agree with it and sometimes some people don't, but I mean, at the end of the day, every single animal we built for in this, in the 10 episodes, haven't had any issues. Like they were all well cared for. Everybody's happy with their enclosures. And yeah, I think we did a good job whether everybody agrees with us or not. Well, there's two different agendas at work, right? With the TV show, you've got the production company who's making a TV show and they want to make entertainment. You know, and us being reptile hobbyists and enthusiasts, we want to make sure we're putting the best information out there we can. We want to make sure that we're giving them the proper husbandry tips. The animals are happy and healthy. That's our main concern. The secondary is they are making a TV show. So there are some things that maybe it's a gray area. This will be okay, but you know, maybe isn't necessarily how I would necessarily do it, um, but it still is fine. Um, as well as there's a lot of stuff they can't show. You get a whole day of filming, you may get two minutes of TV time out of an entire day. So you could have talked about every detail about everything, and they take a little 30 second clip of what you said. And that's what shows on TV. We basically to to give you perspective though, which is the craziest thing. We filmed for four months, and they probably. One to two days off a week for filming for them. We worked basically almost every single day. But, you know, four months, so that's like 120 days of filming, you know, say 100 days of filming, maybe 110. And it whittled down to 10 45-minute uh, shows. Wow. Like, it's, it's crazy. Even the stuff that we've seen so far, there's so many good things that happened during filming that were yeah. like – you know, there's some funny parts, but there were some way funnier stuff that's happened, and they cut it show. out. Yeah, well, there's stuff they can't show either, but yeah, <laughs> we, we had a lot of fun. So how long ago was all this filmed? We started in May and uh, went basically to the end of August, pretty much. Wow, so they put it out pretty quickly. When did it come it was, out? It was crazy. It was coming down to the wire. They gave us, well, they didn't give us enough time was part part of the issue. And the filming got extended to get it done for what we, you know, they needed 10. They sold 10 episodes to the network, so they needed 10 episodes. So they had to get it done. But literally the week we finished filming, and it wasn't even completely done, that Friday was the first episode. It was, and, and, wow. and they're releasing it the day, they're giving it to the network the day it airs. Like, it's great. <laughs> doing some inserts a few weeks ago the final stuff was just a few clips yeah. just for parts where maybe the sound cut out while you were talking you can you know sort of say what you said or, or mm-hmm. whatever uh, little interview parts and stuff and that was just a few weeks ago and it's a later episode Wow. So, so I feel I like it, the network <laughs> has to accept it right like if they're giving it to them the day of they can't be like nope 
Like not yeah, a no, like I don't. I mean, I'm sure they see rough cuts and stuff ahead yeah, of time, so they have a general direction of the way the show's going. Um, but yeah, they don't get to see the final. And it's funny because it aired on August 24th, and I saw it for the first time on August 23rd. Yeah. And there was an f bomb that was dropped that they didn't catch. And it like watching the producer see it for the first time and realizing it was there, like it was like full on panic mode for him. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's amazing. So most of that stuff, like ninety percent of it, was filmed earlier on, right? They're just doing the kind of final nuts and bolts kind of things to it. It's cool, though, because, like, you know, we film in an order, but the order isn't even how it played out. Like, no. um, we knew from the beginning that the Mayan Temple was going to be the first episode, but it was probably, like, the, I'd say between fourth and sixth build that was, like, in, in order, it was, like, the between the fourth and sixth that got completed. And so. how does that impede on your regular process of building and like you're trying to run a company how does the filming kind of impede on that um completely like <laughs> literally my, my my shop for four months like i was able to fill product orders but like i was i probably had four or six customers i said look i like i can't get anything done um either i can refund your money or you have to wait and i give you a discount but yeah, literally for the four months, we didn't know what to expect. It was it was way harder than we thought. Nobody knew. Like, this is all new, right? And, and this, they've run build shows before, but not with this, with these kinds of animals, with this kind of um, specialized care. So this was new for everybody. And, and these builds they wanted to do, nobody's done this before. So we were all learning as we went. So, you know, what if we get season two? We, we know a lot more moving forward, what to expect. Yeah, it, was, it was tough because we told them we needed about two weeks per build. And when they first showed up, they were giving us a week, but we were filming. Five days. We were, yeah, five days. <laughs> they wanted us to build like something that could have been worth twenty to forty thousand dollars. And <laughs> the problem with that is maybe if we were working for five days straight, we could do that. But we would start filming at nine a.m. in the morning and go all the way to seven p.m. doing scenes and you know letting them see a little bit of stuff. But we couldn't get work done because. When the cameras are on, we can't be making noise and stuff yeah. like that. So that was hard. They didn't give us enough time to plan um, the build. So we were literally building like as we went. Yeah, planning as we built, basically. And there was a lot of changes made and had to be approved by the network. And so the hard part for that, too, was because of that is we couldn't like most of these reality shows. I mean, they, they're great. They make it seem like there's three guys building. But most of the shows have like a team of like 20 guys working. That you don't even guys. see. That you don't even see. And they they wanted us the whole time to have a ghost crew, but we couldn't. So it's probably one of the few shows that we basically had to do everything ourselves. Um, now, you usually see this on reality shows like the old Orange County Choppers or something where it's always down to the wire with these builds and yeah. some of it may have been contrived, but it seems like a lot of yours may have actually, actually been, been that rush to, to get it done. <laughs> they, they were. We, Tattoo especially. Tattoo we the, had. The last, three, the last two nights before that one got installed, me and Rachel pulled all-nighters the last two nights, and Greg pulled almost an all-nighter that one night, and then an all-nighter the last night, and then the install as well. Yeah, it was... It was insane. That one, three hours of sleep. That one days. was the worst, and, like, it was hard, too, because 
we at one point we even had like the, the film crew were helping us like paint stuff to get it done. <laughs> and like it was it was ridiculous. But the problem is is like it's not just like, you know, if, if here in the shop, if I need another day, I just tell the customer it's not gonna happen and it might be happening bad, but usually, you know, as long as it's something they're happy with, they'll they'll be happy. But here when we were filming, like multi-million dollar production you don't want to yeah. be the guy or the reason that these professionals at top of what they do in their craft now have to sit around and wait like, you don't want to be the reason that these guys can't do their job so we busted our asses to get it done it's funny though because on one hand they're telling us we can't pull all-nighters anymore but then in the same breath they tell us well, you have to have this done by tomorrow morning yeah it has to be ready by nine yeah <laughs> but go to bed early Probably catch 22 <laughs> Yeah, that's, it seems like I'm wondering kind of, were these, when you filmed it, did they like cast the customers? And then that's kind of, and you went through a process with what other animal, what animal is going to be, what kind of build it was going to be? Yeah, I mean, some of them were, our, some of them ended up being customers of ours. But when they do something like this, you can't just have anybody, um, you know, doing a build for anybody, even if they wanted to pay for it all themselves. Like if, if they're not good on camera or, you know, their house is just like, you know, wall to wall pets, you know, that doesn't look good either. So they want to vet all these people first. So they have to go through a casting company that, you know, interviews them, does a Skype video, and then they basically whittle it down. Like I, interesting people, interesting stories, and interesting animals and it's for TV, right? So yeah. not just grab everybody. So they have to go through, read through, you know, thousands of people like i i posted originally when i knew this was happening to try and get some clients and you know we got some people said that they applied and other people's like i'm not giving my information this is a scam and like stupid stuff but at the end of the day we saw like and this is vetted down from however many people responded we probably saw about 60 potentials yeah. and it probably from that point and it's crazy some of them were so awesome yeah like we had some really cool builds in the beginning we saw all of these and we're like oh we're gonna build them all like we had all these ideas and uh, and i got whittled down to about 15 to 20 i can't remember how many total but yeah like and those ones were great too but like there were some amazing stories yeah. of you know people and animals and and reasons that they wanted or needed this build and and if we do get a season two it's crazy the amount of people that have reached out since you know telling us their story and like there's a ton of people that there's another cool part it's been some of the uh, we've got tons of like fan mail and feedback and stuff like handwritten and typed out letters to the shop pictures like little kids with their animals like that's been the coolest part for me is yeah. seeing that kind of stuff them just kind of reaching out and know being able to kind of message him back or you know send a message back it's been really fun yeah that's a big thing i guess especially with what we have seen in the past of like animal entertainment like your show is not a dramatic you know situation with any of the animals or stuff like that yeah i mean what do you hope to kind of get out there as far as reptiles go well i think it's just the exposure to the masses is the biggest thing for us is I mean, it's such an untapped market when you think about, you know, shows like Tingley and the Super Shows and, and shows like that in the U.S. Those are huge, but, like, in in Pomona, you're getting, like, you know, maybe 
50,000 people or, you know, I don't know what the number is, but like, think of that area is an area of like 5 million. Like imagine, imagine if that many more people saw this show and thought, Oh, I want to check out these reptile shows. And, you know, I want to get my first corn snake or bearded dragon. I mean, I remember being at that point and I, you know, even now at the reptile shows we do, you know, seeing those kids getting their first bearded dragon or whatever. It's awesome. Whether it's the educational message to the break of the reptiles are creepy, slimy, um, you know, just all the negative kind of connotations that go with, come with reptiles and, and the people that keep them. Like, it's everybody. You know, it's lawyers, doctors, you know, everybody keeps reptiles these days. It's not just tattooed bikers, you know, back in the old days, right? That was in the most trailer. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of breaking some of that and, and showing people that these are you know, living, breathing animals, just like a cat or dog, they just, you know, are built a little differently, but they still, you know, they're still living creatures and deserve respect and they're beautiful animals. Yeah, no, did, did all your builds happen and all of your customers in the show, were they all in Canada? Um, no, and it's funny because the intent was, a well, I actually thought the intent was going to be more U.S. because Animal Planet being American. But um, we did the first episode was in Arlington, Washington, um, uh, for Dart Frog Keeper, and uh, and then we had a couple lined up in Michigan, and then we were supposed to potentially do a celebrity build in LA, and then there was also a boy we were going to do a build for, but because we went late in the season and they had to extend the time, basically all travel got cut, so all those projects that were going to be farther away. You know, when you think about it, like, you know, you have two days travel. They still wanted everything done in, in five days. So like two or three days. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then you'd have to, you know, fly down and meet with them. Like your first day is tied up in interviews and, you know, meet and greets and stuff like that. So it, it made sense what they did. It was disappointing because we thought there'd be more travel. But it also made sense as a first season to do a lot more local and get the word out there. And then it's easier for a following season. Yeah, now we're used to uh, the U.S. hobby as far as reptiles go, and the Canadian hobby are kind of separated just because we can't kind of ship to each other easily and cheaply at this point. Do you actually uh, sell products to the U.S., or is it kind of the same idea? Um, no, I mean, obviously the caging's easy to sell across border. My biggest problem is just the cost. Like, you know, ever since we've started, you know, so many people have reached out that they want me to do, you know, even like the big majority of what we do here is PDC caging um, before the show started. And I'd love to sell one cage to every customer who, who um, contacts me, but just to get it across the border and paperwork fees is 150 bucks. So mm. that, that part's harder, but it, it it's doable. Um, we're actually in talks with with some clients in LA that we're going to do um, a build for a little boy um, right before the, uh, the Pomona super show. Um, so we'll go to the Pomona super show and I'm hoping by then we can kind of yeah. get like, feel a little bit better about filming ourselves and start doing yeah. YouTube stuff. And um, we're specifically going down there. Well, cause I like that show and it's fun, yeah. but I mean, the kid wants his first chameleon and I figure in LA, that's probably going to be the best place with, you know all the all the breeders and that there that uh, that would be the best place to go. We we can't say any names, but we've had a few pro athletes, we've had some more pro athletes. It's done now because of the show already. 
that's good. I mean, that's hopefully that continues. Yeah, we get to do some more fun stuff like that. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I mean, we're we're fanboys just like everybody else. So you know, getting to meet famous people like when we first started this, yeah. it was uh, you know let let's do some builds for some famous people yeah. and make them. <laughs> we'll see when that happens. Yeah, that happened on Tanked. Did you know? Uh, that makes you think Shaq was on Tanked. Well, yeah. Dwight Howard may had them do a boa constrictor enclosure on Tanked. Yeah, oh, he's really. Done- yeah, Dwight Howard's done two, um, two on tanked. I guess I'm. I've seen the, the boa enclosure one. I don't know if I saw the first one, but I mean he's got a crazy collection. I mean you've got Kerry King from Slayer. Um, there's so many celebrities out there that are into reptiles. So like being able to build something for one of those guys would be cool. Yeah. Did you meet? You, I heard when we first. Uh, came on that you guys or you went to tinley this weekend one of us yeah Yeah. so actually saw carrie this weekend (laughs) are you guys like i don't even i didn't really even look you guys up ahead of time where are you guys located we're in philadelphia okay cool yeah so he got to go on an 11 hour hour oh it's 12 i thought it was 11 okay 12 hour drive to chicago that's Um, that's probably tops on our list for next year that we'd like to go to tinley we had um yeah yeah we've we've got a fairly good network of people that we've like uh, i've done a few shows in in the u.s and uh and then we got a lot of friends that do other shows and we're friends with um, some of the zoom ed reps so they go to all these shows and so be cool to hang out at, at tinley to to visit with them. Yeah. Yeah, that's really I mean, you covered the gamut of as far as Pomona, Finley, <laughs> maybe Daytona, but definitely Ham as well if you're in yeah. Europe. Yeah, next weekend we're actually in um Arlington uh no, sorry, uh, Albany uh, uh Oregon. New York? Oregon. Oregon. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know there was two either. Uh, we th- we just say we're going to Portland, but yeah. Um, yeah, we're doing a show there. Our friend runs the show there, and uh, yeah, it should be a fun time. And this one's more going to be about you know just promoting the show and yeah. everything else, try and sell a little bit of stuff. Yeah. So do you guys typically, um, at least when you started, did you do more of your typical PVC, like four-foot cages, what you see in the reptile hobby? Well, yes and no. Like, when I first started, it was just glass tanks. And and then, you know, I did some higher-end glass tanks. But then I transitioned. I had the opportunity to take PVC on. And, melamine boxes. Oh, gosh. Yeah, melamine. I hate melamine. Um, yeah, so, it, and... The PVC is, I mean, that got me into owning a CNC machine and machining everything for myself. And, uh, you know, it grew from there. The crazy thing about how this all started was we got drunk one day. And thought we <laughs> That's how and every I, great thing I, starts, I, no, is we got drunk no, one day. No word of a lie. It was a Friday afternoon. We're like, fuck it. Let's, you know, let's go work today. Let's go drink. And, you know, we're having a good time and we're laughing and we're like, you know, we're hilarious. We need a reality show. And that day, that day, well, no, the next day I saw it because I was drunk. But that day I got an email asking that if we'd be so interested crazy. in a reality show. It's just yeah. crazy. That's very, very coincidence. Yeah. Uh, I didn't believe him. He, he calls me up. He goes, you're never going to believe the email I got. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure enough. 
So did a production team reach out to you? Yeah, they were looking like the company, um, it's called Matador Content. Matador Content. Um, the only reason I took it seriously is uh, I looked them up because I was like, yeah, this is a joke. Like somebody's messing with me. And their biggest show is uh, Lip Sync Battle right now. So like they're oh. a big shows. So we took it seriously. We did a couple Skype interviews so that they could see who we were yeah. and and we got some information about them, and then they flew out and talked to a couple, you know, a few other people. We reached out to a bunch of people and got some weird responses. Whittled it down. It was the same kind of process, right? Whittled it all down, and then yeah, decided that knuckleheads in Canada would better for a TV show. So, <laughs> so how long after that first contact did it like start? Being... I think well, from the initial contact, I think was in May last year or earlier because basically when we started filming for real it had been just over a year from the point of like yeah, starting did the, did the first they came down with two camera guys and did a, a little five minute or ten minutes kind of um, concept video they got cam, camera guy here to, to come film us doing what we're doing and then tried to you know, promote it as a, as a show put it out there and Animal Plants said, this is great. You know, you've shown us, we built this cool frog tank. Um, that's great. You tell us you can do all this stuff. Now prove that you can actually do something like what you're talking about, these really crazy builds. But we need some more people. So then we had to bring in some more friends and some other people. And then yeah, it just piled from there. And then I think it was October was the second sizzle reel. Finally made it up. Yeah. was in October. That was like a 24-minute thing over two or three days yeah know? that was 100 hours of film and it went down to 24 minutes yeah. wow and were you guys ever on camera before that nope <laughs> you can did tell you feel comfortable you can't, you can't tell that we've never been on camera before <laughs> not necessarily no you can't yes, tell at all yes, some youtube videos for his pinball stuff yeah. and then rachel did some uh like cool uh, pinballs and stuff for yeah and i think that's it for youtube stuff for us but like even, I mean, even the way this show works is, I mean, it's made for TV and, you know, we had like probably three legitimate guys at the start that, you know, kind of hung out here and, yeah. and did some work, but everybody else was kind of brought on to kind of, you know, you can't have just a couple people. Yeah. You need to have all these different characters and um, like Lucas did background work for himself, but he doesn't, he doesn't work here. And Rachel, they actually found Rachel, and she lives seven hours away. And they thought, Oh gosh, she she answered a casting call thinking it was like a a women woodworking competition show. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what she was getting into initially. And then the funny thing about that was when she showed up is like my shop's at like the back of the building, and she comes in, and there's in like a sketchy neighborhood in the middle of. Calgary, you know, she, she doesn't live here. She, you know, followed, followed Google Maps to get here, and he shows up, and there's, like, four biker dudes with tattoos in the back of the building. Ty and Jim. Well, so, yeah. so Tyrone, you've seen on the show, right? Big beard, tat covered tattoos. Sweetest guy I'll ever meet. Nice, he's hands down the nicest guy in the cast by far. And, and just, a, like, a saint of a man. So him, but he looks, he look, has that look, right? And there's another friend of ours who has a similar look. The two big tattooed burly dudes. She comes walking in. A girl from another province away knows nobody here. Comes walking in. There's just these two guys standing there. And she stuck around. So we're like, yeah, she's 
she's probably going to fit in just fine, and she has. It's like we've known her for 20 years. It's crazy. The crazy thing is, so the film crew that initially started with us and sold this were part of the Matador, but when they do a full series, they're hiring all freelance guys. So everybody was brand new, and, you know, by, by you know, first couple weeks, you know, we started getting become friends with them, and, you know, they're asking how we all met. Like, they all thought we knew each other for, like, 20 years. Yeah. And, like, the cast, for the most part, like, you know, all fits in fairly well. well we've known Ty for a long, like, a super long time. Yeah. Anyways. Jay's probably about 10 years. Ten Lucas years is probably the least amount. Well, chance is, chance is less, but chance doesn't count. <laughs> so how does it feel to, like, suddenly be seemingly just you guys? And for a long time, I guess it was just Greg. And then all of a sudden, you have all these employees and all these things to manage. For me, it was hard because I'm totally disorganized as as it is. Um, so having to manage everything, I mean, I probably didn't do the best job of it, but we had some expo- we had some explosions, and, uh, <laughs> part of the process. Some fights that thankfully never got shown. But, um, it's you funny. I think that would be the first thing that they show, right? <laughs> well, it's funny because it's late off camera. <laughs> yeah, well, some some was on, some was off. Oh, yeah, that's right. But uh, it's because of the network they're going for. Like even in my contract, it says that. Once I signed it, they could portray me in whatever way they yeah. wanted. Like what you know, it could be stuff that was said off camera, but they got the audio and they could use it. And you know, wow. it could be that's the thing I think people don't know, and we didn't know either coming into it. Right, I think that you have more control over what's put out there than you do. Like these are people that are professionals in their field, right? So you do your job. You're the reptile guy. Or you're you know, we're building stuff. That's great. We'll, we'll film it. Just be yourself. Do your thing, and then we have no say in what happens after that. So these guys put together a TV show. They're the producers, the editors, all that stuff. They edit together a TV show based on all the footage they have. So they're cutting out sections. Luckily, I mean, there's because it's Animal Planet, because of the production company's great, they're fantastic. They they do vet a lot of stuff through us and put a lot of stuff. You know, is this accurate? Is this you know somebody's really tired? Maybe he said something that didn't quite come out right. Um, he misspeak or something because he's just on the spot, right? It's like, wait a minute, did they say that? No, no, I didn't mean to say that. So they do vet things that way, but we don't have any control over what they put out. Like no, we don't I, see it until it's airing. Yeah, like the first episode I got to see the day before because it was kind of a wrap party. But yeah. otherwise, we wouldn't get the episodes till the day it was airing in the U.S. So yeah. like we've seen, luckily, it got pulled in episode five to go to a new time slot. And we've seen up to episode six, but that's it. Like we, we don't know how the, the rest of the episodes look. And like so... And, and there's things that we've learned, too, is, you know, they tell us to do something, and now we realize, you know, maybe that won't look that great. Yeah. Um, we got a little heat for our little chameleon water bubbler yeah. that, that you know. It wasn't supposed to be put as a way to water your chameleon. It was kind of, can we get this chameleon to drink a different way and it normally would? Is this going to work? It was actually working. It worked. But, but everybody's like, oh, you can't, you yeah, can't, you can't water your chameleon with a water bowl. And then they start going, oh, this is how you should be doing it. I'm like, no, 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 nobody said to do this. This was sort of, they're looking for some R and D for some little segments to put things in. They're like, we'll try this, and will this work? You know, will this be a different way to maybe stimulate this chameleon to drink? Let's see if it works. So that was kind of the gist of it, and we kind of got lost in the video, so we took a lot of heat for that. Of, you can't water it that way; it won't drink. Well, it did drink, but. You know, we wouldn't do that normally. 
Well, and we had no plants in the cage because yeah. if we had plants, you wouldn't see the water. Yeah, so. he would have been hiding in the plant. So yeah, yeah. It's a lot you have to understand how much you have to like stage. And I, it's frustrating to me. I'm not even on the show, but how people just like forget their brain. Like we all know when we watch those like HGTV, all those house shows, half that shit isn't real. And it goes like we know we we acknowledge that when we watch those. But then Maybe when it some seems, people don't, like I don't know. But it seems like when it comes to like animals. People like to and there's only one forget way to that do they it. know that it's yeah. diff- you know you know like when I see the house shows like I know that you know ten thousand dollar mirror isn't going to stay in that house or like that's not yeah. how it's going to be forever but like I don't know it seems like when it comes to animals people like to forget that stuff I don't know. There's well, a crazy one is the Kevin on the treadmill video. So like we didn't put Kevin on a treadmill to lose weight. Like, that's not how that happened. It was just some funny thing to let's make it look like Kevin's because Kevin's fat when we started. <laughs> Kevin's going to lose weight, right? So we we're, we were actively throughout filming having Kevin lose weight. And it took like three hours to get Kevin to run on a treadmill. Three steps. Yeah. If you look at right. that video it took again. some people three hours yeah, and yeah. somebody came out and it took 30 seconds. Um, but we uh, it's got like almost 10 million views now. On YouTube, it's insane. And that thing, like, there's all these educational videos that have great information. The one that resonates the most is putting little wristbands and headbands on a bearded dragon, having it run on a belt sander. Like, it's insane. <laughs> Imagine how many views we would have got if we would have had. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> People just yeah. take it so literally. Yeah. Things exactly. aren't always black and white. Yeah. No. And that's the problem is people are watching it and, you know, we even get responses that you can tell that, you know, they're taking it as if, you know, we've been like working Kevin to the bone yeah. on a treadmill yeah. and like stupid stuff like that. Like, yeah. like even like, it's funny how people will take time out of their day because they know how to contact you and, and let you know their opinion on the dumbest yeah. things. So we've had some interesting conversations. Yeah, I mean, you, you try and be nice. I understand that it's coming from a good place. They mean well, so you try and treat it as such and then kind of ignore most of the bad stuff. And there hasn't been a ton of it. Um, like a lot of personal yeah. stuff well, for some cast yeah. members. Like Rachel's taken so much heat. Because of what? <laughs> oh, no. We lost you. Episode, or because she's afraid of snakes that they're saying she should be fired from the show and this is a reptile show. And it's like, like Calm down. <laughs> no. I feel like the production team was probably happy that she's afraid. No, of yeah, that was probably somewhat intentional, but it gives you the opportunity <laughs> to show someone getting over their fear. Absolutely. Yeah, and of course, they—I mean—they had to play off that because that's the thing they're looking yeah. for. They're looking for a weird angle to make good TV, whether or not it yeah. even has anything to do with the show and to connect with the you know the average viewer, right? The average viewer isn't a reptile enthusiast, so a lot of people are afraid of snakes. So that resonates with you know joke you public is most people can relate to that right that character being afraid of snakes so then they're seeing kind of how she's getting over it and it's legit like it's not made up for the show or anything she legitimately doesn't like snakes um but her daughter loves snakes so being a good mom she's gotta you know back it up and and, and do what she's gotta do and, and she's been a trooper through the whole thing yeah that's funny crap yeah well and she's <laughs> held probably four or five snakes yeah. and was you know not fine with it but 
dealt with it. You know, dealt with it and it's gotten way better. Yeah. And you know, yeah. It's not something that was gonna be solved overnight. Yeah. So but it, but it was <laughs> It wasn't one of those situations where, you know, you force the animal on someone and in some crazy situation. No, because, I mean, from right from the start, the, the few things that we said had to happen for us to be interested in doing this is this isn't just made for TV. This is like it's a legitimate business. I've been doing this. You know, my name's on all these builds. So, you know, they were telling us about how reality shows work. And a lot of these shows when they do a, a reveal, the stuff isn't even done. Like they just fake it and they may get the stuff 10 years or like a year later in some regard. But for us, I mean, the biggest thing is we're not making it good for TV to their extent where they're pulling that kind of stuff out as soon as we leave. And the biggest thing is that, you know, these animals have to thrive in these enclosures. And like, you know, we were basically being modeled after tanked and, there's a lot of negative stuff like with tank that, you know, because it's so rushed that, you know, these fish aren't acclimated properly and they end up dying a week later. And we didn't want that. So, I mean, that was one of the major things. And same thing, we didn't want the shock value. I mean, you can think of like how Brian Barchuk is, you know, always in hot water because his, his bite, snake bite videos and, and stuff like that, where he's just doing it for viewership. And I mean, well, that's good, but that doesn't project reptiles in a, in a positive light. And we wanted to do the opposite and do the education and, and showing that these animals are great pets and that, you know, just about anybody could care for these animals. A big thing too, um, when we started, we all said, all of us agreed, we talked about it ahead of time was we've all had varying degrees of experience and, and, and are known in the industry before this show. Um, to a point, some of us more than others. And then this show will have whatever lifespan it has, whether it's one season, whether it's 10, whatever it is, it's just going to be a, a temporary thing. And we still have our lives to live after the show happens and our reputations and stuff in the industry. Like that's something you can't, um, it's, you can't, you can't uh, compromise on that. So right. that's it's not that's worth not, it to sacrifice it. No, no, it's just a TV show. So we wanted to make sure that, you know, we, we tried to keep, that integrity all the way from the beginning, all the way through and, and do our best to do that. And, you know, some of it's out of our control, how stuff gets shown. Um, but I still feel like nothing's been bad that I've seen, you know, there's been some stuff that, okay, I wouldn't do it that way, but really at the end of the day, is it really that bad? No. A princess castle for ball pythons. I wouldn't do that. But <laughs> she, loved it. she loved it. And we've had so many people say they loved it. I'm like, I would never suggest that to somebody. That's what she wanted. And it still works. The footprint of it works. Yeah. It's a little tall. They're probably not going to climb much, but it works and it's still fine. There's hides and stuff in there. Like, you know, it is what it is. Right. So it's, we just wanted to make sure that the integrity was there. We weren't doing stuff just for TV that, that, you know, would, would uh, tarnish us down the road where it's like, Oh, I can't believe you did that. That totally harmed that animal or that's dangerous. Like we don't want any of that stuff. Nothing sensationalistic, silly things. That's a no big deal. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of silly things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, you guys are funny. That's why there's a reality show. Funny because there's been a few episodes now where there's like so many funny things that happened, and they either said right away that yeah, that's not gonna make it there, or we're hoping that we're gonna see it and then it's not in there. Oh, so many things. Yeah, there was so many fun things we did during filming that got filmed. We thought we're gonna be on the show and didn't make it. Yeah. 
like the hot dog and the bunghole thing. I don't know if we can talk about that. <laughs> so, have you guys seen? Have you guys seen the episode? It's a it's the episode with the wine girls. I think it's either three or four. I haven't. I don't believe so. No. Okay. Anyways, we built this. It was a prohibition build. They named all their um, snakes. No, five was a bearded dragon one. So it's either three or four. A- anyways, um, it was a prohibition build because all their snakes were named after like gangsters or, or like you know, yeah. kind of mobster Monster. type type names. And uh, so we decided that we we're going to do a build out of wine barrels. Yeah. And basically, they were going to be stacked in a pyramid. And during filming, we found out that the hole in a wine barrel is called a bunghole. So, <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that. But then one of the camera guys, because we had filmed something the day before with some hot dogs and, and tiger torches, we had a pack of hot dogs in the fridge at the shop. So between takes, one of the camera guys is dropping hot dogs down the bunghole. He starts climbing up a ladder. He's dropping it further and further. And he gets to the top of the ladder, like a 10-foot ladder. And it takes him like 40 tries. And by that time, everybody's crowded around watching. So he finally gets it through. Everybody cheers. Yeah, this is great. This is hilarious. We're all laughing and stuff. So they start filming a scene. And then the producer comes to me. And it was Greg and Rachel filming a scene. Uh, they're doing some cutting or something on some barrels. And he goes, come here for a second. And he pulls out a hot dog. He goes, you know what to do with this. It's going to have a little contest. I go, okay, perfect. I, I, I love where you're going with this. So I go walking up to them. And Greg has this look on his face. He's like, oh, what's going on? So I'm like, we have a little contest. Like, losers have to eat the hot dog. Everybody's kind of giggling and laughing and stuff. We're like, okay. So Greg gets up there. He's He drops it. He misses. So while he's doing that, I'm standing there. And Rachel kind of elbows me, and she goes, losers have to eat it, lady of the tramp style. Oh. All right, you're on. But this whole time, like, even when I was up there, I'm the first one. Yeah. I'm like, this is going to go, like, four or yeah. five rounds. Like, like, it took Brent, the camera guy, like, 40 tries to do this, right? Like, this is, you know, the hole is like, you know, it's a, it's a barrel in a wine, a, a hole in a wine barrel. So I go up, I do it, I miss as well. What if we're close? We're close. And then when Rachel goes to do it, she kind of stops, and then she kind of gets a smile on her face, and she rolls the hot dog in the it's like breaded now it's covered in like this gross wine barrel sawdust from cutting wine barrels this hot dog and then she gets to the top of the ladder she goes oh by the way losers have to eat lay the tramp style right makes the big announcement of that i'm like oh yeah yeah and greg's like okay fine you're on lines it up she winks at us and they had gopros and everything set up in the barrel and nails it in one shot she dropped it from a 10 foot fucking ladder she was ready in shot yeah, like oh man, she won a lot of bets. Yeah, she won a lot of bets. <laughs> but yeah, and then we ate the hot dog lady in the tramp style sawdust. And then they were just like, the camera guys were crying, they were laughing so hard, like it was it was the best day. It was so yeah. much fun. But they're like, Animal Planet's like, yeah, we can't show that. I have a, I kind of understand why they couldn't do that on have, TV. Yeah, you need to have like a separate show on somewhere Bloopers. where you can. <laughs> Have hot dog in the bunghole content. That'll probably be after this. World after dark. After dark. It'll be a YouTube subscription service. (laughs) The crazy thing about all the builds is, like, for the majority of it, it was it was well, mostly Rachel and Chris doing all the work. Um, Like I said, we'd film from like 9 a.m. and we'd usually wrap about 7 p.m. And then that's when the real work had to get done. So, like, the three of us when I was here. 
I mean, well, you were here most of the time. Too. I was, don't yeah. undersell. Well, no, but anyways, like it's crazy. We'd be working till like two, like on a normal day, we'd get home at two, two or three, three, four in the morning, and then we had to be back at nine. And, and like we had an air mattress set up here, we slept in chairs. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, it's, you know, this is like a once in a lifetime thing, right? Like nobody gets this kind of opportunity that we show. So we were like, we're going to do whatever we have to do to make it work. Right. There's a lot of beers, a lot of beers here. Yeah. Some Red Bull, some bourbon, yeah. some Fireball. We get it sponsored by some <laughs> Yeah, we need, we need sponsorship by Rockstar. Yeah. We were going like, I mean, we're bad for energy drinks as it is, but like, at that point, we're going through each like four a day just to like get by. You're like, that says like one of them a day is like dangerous for you. Yeah. 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 That's scary. Yeah. And we made it through. Yeah. Second season will yeah. hopefully be different. Full head of hair. Yeah. Are you guys oh, good? We lost you for a second. Did you say you had full yeah. hair before this? I had a yeah, he didn't. He's like, oh, shit. No, he lost I I 30 pounds. I gained 30 pounds. Whatever. I think the most important thing that we can get across is that, like, you guys are reptile people who came from the reptile community. You're not like, I feel like people get an impression when you're on TV that's like, these you're guys are real reptile people. The, right, people don't right. like that. But you guys well, are and think, Yeah, and I think that's, that's I mean, because that is what happens. Like, even, like, because it's part of Animal Planet, the guy from uh, uh, Cribs or Animal Cribs or whatever, we were, to, we were told that company was created, you know, based on him. It's not it's not an actual business, or at least as far as we knew. But he's a, he's, yeah, I know, it might be now. But, like, you know, they brought him on thinking we need to make a show for this guy based around him. And a, a business was created, whereas, like, I mean, I've had this going for, like I said, 18 years. And at, once this show's over, my business still has to run. So it's it's a lot different for them and for us. We're, like we're, like I said, we're all legit reptile people working on the show. Like, um, myself, I've got about 30 years' experience. Greg, like 20-so years' experience. Tyrone's around 20 years' experience. Jason's been here for around 10 years. Lucas, five to 10 years. Basically, we have over a hundred years of experience between you know all the cast. Which, yeah. When you when you put it in that perspective, it's crazy. Yeah. Like but it's uh, not people they just pick to be like. We picked when they were talking about filling out the cast and stuff. It's like pick some friends um, or people you know in the industry that that are reptile people that maybe have you know a quirky personality or you know a certain look or whatever, but they'll be interesting for TV. Uh, but they need to know their stuff. And that's the that's the most important thing is they need to know reptiles and need to be passionate about reptiles. Well, that was well luckily, in the reptile community, quirky look and personality is pretty much comes with it. It's so. real hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's funny because oh. I was going to say, like, even when I started in this business, I mean, I did local interviews for radio. I was part of the Reptile Society, and I usually would get interviewed because... Oh, you cut out again. And yeah, I mean, that's that's what you got to get across. Uh, and I kind of what we wanted to do was yeah. show that it's not just you know tattooed bikers with a big snake, yeah. you know, or into these animals. Like there's, like Chris said, there's lawyers, there's like 
these animals. It's not just like one type of person that loves these animals. Yeah, it's all walks of life. So going back a little bit, we kind of talked yeah. about how you started this business, but how did you each like actually get into snakes? You said you've been into it for like 20 years. How did you get into snakes? Or, or, or re- excuse me, reptiles. <laughs> oh, yeah, know. we're getting it on our end too. Um, oh, hold on. Uh, well, I'm we've not never had anyone from Canada, so we're blaming it on Canadians. <laughs> I know, we're so far away and, yeah. you know, we're under 10 feet of snow. <laughs> so. I, we had two dudes in Denmark <laughs> and, you know, it was perfectly fine. Oh. What's going on? Hey, uh, oh, give give me a sec. I'm going to change to a different wife. Yeah, go for <laughs> it. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so repeat all the things you just said. <laughs> oh. oh wait, we still lost you. I feel yeah. like we have to we have to fill time. They're frozen. Okay, talk about Tinley. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but by the time I get really into the Tinley story, <laughs> well, if we're you actually do a little intro like we're, that. We're gonna have uh, Matt Minatola on next week. And supposed to say it. Yeah, yeah, but Matt's actually coming. No, and we drove what to if Kinley he like him, so gets he'll... in a car accident and he can't? Jesus get Christ! Calm well, down. whatever. You're not supposed to say who's on next week. Well, anyway, we're gonna talk a lot about Tinley then. But okay, well they're back. It looks like Greg and Chris are <laughs> back. Okay, but what about Australia? I don't know. We haven't asked. I mean, you know, in Ch- we have uh, friends in my family are in China and they've watched it. So apparently you can see it in China and Europe and yeah yeah Europe or we could see it here in Canada yeah you expect them to know every single country when it comes yeah yeah Uzbekistan is <laughs> we're, we're just gonna to make shit up we're gonna yeah we're gonna that we we figure at least in Europe it's like the English speaking countries um, would be the ones that would be the the ones that we would air in but according to what we've been told animal planet's fairly small there so like obviously the biggest market was the u.s um so that's where they want to appeal to first and uh and then canada i would say would be now. i want to see what kind of overdubs they have in like spain or something Okay, so my question before all the craziness is, how did you get into reptiles? <laughs> Hope I don't mess it up with that question again. Sorry, oh, how did you get into reptiles? So for me, it was as a kid, a lot as a lot of guys in, in the reptile industry, um, dinosaurs and dragons as a child, and then just you know collecting the local you know garter snakes and frogs. I grew up in the west coast of Canada near Vancouver, um, and moved out to Calgary in '89. And, uh, and then I started seriously collecting stuff, and that's when I, you know, got my first king snakes and iguanas and all that stuff, and then went from there. For me, it was like as a kid, I had an anole growing up for, for like, I don't know, I probably didn't last even that long. But then once I got into college, you know, I was always interested in going to pet stores, and I was a cheap asshole, so I always thought like. I could probably fill the tank for you know for cheaper or whatever, and uh, so I when I started getting um, in college, I was able you know I didn't have any restrictions on parents telling me I couldn't have certain things. I started buying reptiles, and then I started building cages, and that kind of ballooned into into the business. Now, did the more custom stuff did that happen with the show? Yeah, I mean that that's like. No, not really, though, because he always has done custom stuff. There just hasn't been a big demand for it. No. And notoriously, especially up in Canada, I can't speak about the States, uh, 
a lot of people don't like to spend a lot of money on the reptile hobby up here. So it's it's harder to find people with the deep pockets that can will pay money for custom builds up here. Yeah, I mean they're, they're there, but yeah. it's just finding those people is difficult. I mean, now we're having a show, we're getting more people contact us. Like, he is right though, because like back then I was doing custom builds, but you know, maybe I'd get five a year and I'm doing like four hundred PVC cages um at the same time. But now, you know, now it could be that it transitions because of the exposure yeah. that everything we do is custom. Um the weird thing for us though is like custom for us was always like, you know, it might look really cool, but it's always specifically for the animals. So when we're having to do things like princess castles and, and things where it's themed to the people, as opposed to the animal, that was, I mean, that was kind of a thing that we've never arranged. Yeah. 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 That's the thing that we've never dealt with before. So now it's weird when, when I have people contact me and, you know, the majority of them is because of the show is having to ask, like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for, you know, naturalistic, which, you know, is what we always want to do versus like you're into rock. So like, what's your favorite band? Let's yeah. figure out a way to, yeah. you know, sit, stick a drum set in with yeah. a gecko. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's gone from being custom habitat from their native area they're from, which, you know, would be our preference uh, ideally, but it's, that's great. But how many jungle scenes can you tell like, we week after week after week? They want some different stuff, right? So like we know, you know, the snakes and the, and the lizards don't care if it's a paper towel or if it's this or if it's, you know, a, a cardboard hide or whatever, you know, we do that stuff more for us than for them. We enrich it with different things, different textures that they can use, but the theme maybe comes more for the people. So that's where it is different with the custom stuff. Now, are you seeing your customer base shift a lot from like reptile keepers and breeders to kind of your first time pet owner and pet level animals in general? The the contact that we're we've been getting since the show, I would say, is you know we are getting a lot of newbies that are just getting into it, and you know they're more interested in that flashiness than than you know just the needs of the animal. We've had a lot of people that say they don't even have animals that want to get some the first yeah. <laughs> I don't think she's laughing at all. what's happening I don't know I don't know why no, she's laughing either I'm so are you gonna reach out to these people who have this real tv show and you don't even have an animal yet yeah. no like like you wouldn't believe how many people they're like I don't even know what kind I want but I just want one of these cool cages yeah. it's like it's not even about the animals so yeah. much anymore it's just like they want something that was made by guys who are on TV. We need a cool coffee table bill. You know, those people go, I'm an animal. I just want a cool coffee table. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's funny, too, like the things that have got the most, um, I guess, like, you know, the, the things that they've contacted us the most is like the rattlesnake backpack and the and the tortoise coffee table. Yeah. Which, you know, some of these theme builds we do, like episode six is my favorite. It's like a Bill and Ted's inspired phone booth, and it's so cool. And like, you know, I, we're I'm spoiling it. You get yeah, sorry, we're spoiling it for you. You guys haven't seen that episode yet. No, but, she uh, um, she doesn't even know what Bill and Ted's oh, throw me under the bus. I secretly, I, I turned and secretly asked you that. Yeah, some of the cast have. How, yeah. how old are you guys? I'm 26. 
Okay. You say that like I'm so different. No, I'm 25. no, you're not. I just, I just had older <laughs> siblings that show me 80s movies. What is yeah. Bill and Ted? I don't. Bill and Ted's like an 80s inspired like. Not, I mean, it's basically me and him, like, <laughs> as teenagers doing stupid <laughs> shit. But they go back in time through a phone booth and, like, meet all these, like, canneries and It hasn't aged well. If you try and watch it now, it's not a great movie. But they are making a third one. Back then, it was great when I was a kid. Yeah, I watch it now, and I'm like, ooh, I don't know what I was thinking. But... Yeah, it's they kind of a, a cult movie. Final, it's a cult movie. Yeah. It's a cult 80s movie. Yeah. And the people that we built it for were into that sort of thing. They run a comic book shop. So yeah. totally, totally fitting for them. But it turned out so awesome. But like these builds that we think are so amazing. And then like for every episode, we'd have either an a, like a major build and then either a, a smaller like kind of B story or or a B build, or it would be a B story. Um, so the the rattlesnake backpack and the um, what was the and the coffee table were like the smaller builds. Like these ones actually happened fairly quickly, but they're the ones that people have actually contacted yeah. us. I guess maybe it's they're more realistic for people to yeah. own. But uh, it's something people can you can't afford like a forty or fifty thousand yeah. dollar Mayan temple yeah. in your you know. Yeah. Yeah. A coffee table is a lot more reasonable. Oh, like, I got a tortoise, I can put on a coffee table. Yeah. Great. The Mayan temple was crazy. That's our biggest build to date. I mean, it was over $40,000 for that unit. It was crazy. Oh, and it was about 16 feet, right? About eight feet each way. Like, it's yeah. huge. It was so huge. It's, yeah. It took up most of the room that it was in. It was yeah. crazy. And, you know, Miss King stuff is, is cheap. Or, sorry, it's not cheap. It's, it's super high-end for, yeah. you know, the misting system. But their lighting systems that they sell, I mean, I think it was, like, you know, almost five or six grand just for the lights in that build. Like, and, and most people can't afford that. It's crazy. Yeah, your, your average hobbyist isn't going to spend lighting for dark frogs. So the, the natural question is who puts the bill for all this stuff the customers uh pay a portion of it and production covers the rest if you ever see a casting call for anything regardless of what it is you should apply do it you pay pennies on the dollar you pay that amount and then the production covers the rest and that, and that's too where like the money for what people could afford was the least of their concerns i mean it could be that the clients were so great or, you know, there was such a special story behind it yeah. that they don't end up paying anything. It just, it just depends on circumstances. Wow. What they're looking What's, our for, What's our sob story to get on the show, babe? <laughs> but, it, but it's, but it's not even, it's not even about that either. Like, you know, like Chris said, it was either, it's either, you know, there's a really cool, maybe a super rare reptile that yeah. they have that they want to showcase or, you know, or it's a kid with, you know, some sort of, you know, you, you know, if they can see passion in their eyes and they've got like, you know, some sort of good story about how they came across this reptile or something, all they all, all from that aspect is that it's good for people. They want some cool, some different reptiles. That's kind of the main driving part of it. And then a good story behind it. And then go from there. Yeah. Um, and obviously you can't have somebody in front of the camera that won't talk. Like they, they vet them beforehand to make sure that, you know, they're going to be somewhat good on TV. Um, but even, I mean, even for that regard, like we had, we had some. Don't say it. 
<laughs> we had some times where he just wouldn't get any response. Um, and like, we'd have to film things like three or four times till they got it good enough that, you know, that it was, you know, going to be able to be used for TV. You mean like as an unveiling? Some of that actually, and the funny thing is because some of them were legitimately so excited that they just shut down. Like, reaction where they're like, they didn't know what to and say. And they were like, they didn't know what to say. And it like this almost awkward moment where you're like, they're like, oh, and then they like, we had one where they had this great reaction and I thought they were like faking it because it was so over the top. And then the cameras turned off and we're talking and, and this girl starts crying. I'm like, man, like, wow, you really do love it. Like, she was like, yeah, I just, this is the best thing ever. And she's like bawling. Um, so it's sometimes because the cameras are there, they get a little weird. So they've got to shoot things a few times. they got to get some different angles and all that stuff. So sometimes they got to shoot those reveal scenes. Maybe they weren't as excited as they meant to be because they were just so blown away. They were just stunned. And then it's like, whoa, okay. They start looking at stuff and they're all excited now. Okay, now let's go outside and refilm it. And they're like, yeah, that's great. That's how they felt, but they weren't showing it. So it gets a little weird that time sometimes. Yeah, yeah. that person. The aspect for for us was really crazy because yeah. I mean, even even when it was a normal thing to see, there's there's only two cameras there and they want to get as you know many views and as many reactions as they can. So like usually on any scene we'd have to film like three times so they had different angles and like yeah. half the time we've forgotten what we've said and like yeah. It's it's weird what they end up using and what they don't. Yeah, whatever. It's, they they try to keep it as real. Like they don't want to feed you lines. They don't want to make it fake. Or they're, so they're like, just be yourself and don't worry about you know trying to do too much, right? Like don't overact. Don't try and make it like a sitcom moment. Like just be yourselves, and that resonates way better on TV. Um, and you get used to it. It's weird because you get used to being on camera so much you forget the cameras are there after a while, and then you go somewhere where somebody else is suddenly has cameras in their face for the first time. They're doing this stuff and they're all embarrassed and weird about it. It's like, no, no, it's fine. Cause they think they have to nail it. It's like live TV or something. It's not live. Like they're shooting hours of stuff and most of it's not getting used. So you stop caring about that. That makes it easier. Um, so then you, you can really tell right away when you start filming somewhere and the customer hasn't been in front of the camera yet. And they're really nervous and a bit awkward. And then like an hour later, they're fine. But you know, we're used to it now, but, you know, we did the exact same thing, right? So the weird thing for us now is we do stuff and we're like, God, why wasn't there a camera? <laughs> like, now it's just weird that we, like, our, our shop used to be so full of people. Because, yeah. like, the production crew, there was probably at least 10 people with the film crew that would be hanging out all day. And... You know, now we've just got three of us and we're pretty bored. Yeah. <laughs> now we have to actually work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well. That's we yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm ready to make a shift. Do you still have a more show question? Well, I wanted to know since, I mean, everyone in the U.S. is very, very jealous of them being able to keep Fiji iguanas. Have well, you? That's kind of in reference to what I was Have you towards. built a Fiji iguana enclosure? We, we have, cannot uh, confirm or deny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, we don't. We can't. No. <laughs> okay, next question. But, uh, I think you answered it, though. That's good. Yeah, we, we didn't do one for we Fiji, one for but um, Jay, love to. Jay um, as part of our cast, um, actually has one. Yeah. So uh, maybe in the future. Season two, we'd love to get that. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, actually, we didn't even use it, did nope. we? Yeah, no, we didn't. Well, my question was kind of just... Well, the crazy thing is, like, you guys can be jealous about Fiji iguanas. Like, there's a lot of... There's so much stuff that you guys can keep and, and stuff that's available in the U.S. that that isn't. Like, even for tortoises, for example, it's illegal to export tortoises from the U.S. to Canada. So, like, a Herman's for us... Or, for us is 450 bucks but you go to a show down there and they're like 100 bucks like it's crazy so well, yeah, yeah i think I, availability yeah is a bit different yeah like like, like 500 well yeah true your exchange rate sucks so anyway yeah well that's what but, i wanted like, to ask I about based on, based on you know population and and just the availability most of the animals usually come through the u.s so like you guys have way bigger variety of, of available animals than we do. We also had some slick fellas back in the seventies and eighties who. Uh, yeah. I know you want to hear a funny story about that. Is the original title of the show was going to be Lizard King? And we're, and we're like, no, no, that doesn't work for us. Yeah, kind of already associated with something else. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's crazy because, like, I mean. <laughs> As as mad as you have to be or you want to be about, you know, all the smuggling and stuff back then, I mean, that's how a lot of these animals are here today. You would never have it. Kevin on the treadmill without yeah, it. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. exactly. 100%. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Are you mad about it? I don't yeah, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean you you can you can say all you want about him, but like I would still love to go see his facility oh, and, oh and, anyone would. And like I've talked to him before, and like yeah. he, he, again, you know, probably the money and everything else, like at the time, you know, and the notoriety, but like at the at the general like basis, is he loved reptiles, like, and he did all this because you know he wanted these cool animals, yeah. and and now today they, you know, you can love them or hate them, but now they're available because of a lot of that stuff that went on back then. And it's not like these were you know endangered animals at the time. No, the funny thing is, is my buddy in in um, Montreal was at the Toronto show, and he got a picture of Tom Crutchfield holding a Fiji iguana. So I, I thought that was actually pretty funny because the funny thing is for me is I was reading the book at the time, and like so getting Tom wanting to hold a Fiji iguana because he knew the what the irony of this photo had. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's crazy. So what are shows like in Canada? There's just so much. I mean, I know y'all are just like right up there. I've been to the U.S. once, so I can't say. Like, I know what ours are like. I don't know what yeah. yours are like. So I'm looking forward to going to the one in Albany. I'm yeah. Um, like, I don't know how many people are through the door in Tinley, but like, I know the promoter for the uh, Reptile Super Show, um, Rami. And uh, like, I've been to three or four of his shows and like, I mean, it gets so crowded in there, you literally can't move. But the aisles are like 10 to 15 feet wide. Like, our shows can kind of be the same, but, like, there are 100 tables and there's, like, four feet between, you know, th there's four feet to walk, so, like, they're packed. But like, we, we just don't have the population that, that yeah. you guys do. So the shows are typically a lot smaller. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, you guys... You guys have a lot of small shows too that you know just don't get you know talked about that much but you get like tinley's and daytona's and the super shows um you know or your major shows um 
I actually, well, Chris is going to come on with us, but I've run a reptile show um, just a little ways from us, and it's the biggest one, I think, in Canada, but in Western Canada for sure. And, you know, we probably have 120 booths, and, like, we only get, like, 3,500 people through the door. But for that show, it's, you know, it's it's small by people population, but... Like those people always come to spend. That's yeah, a nice thing. Right. Europe to come to it, the States, Eastern Canada. Yeah. And some bunch of Poland that fly out. Yeah, it's it's all relative too, because like, you know, you guys you guys could travel state, you know, state to state and have a show every weekend if you wanted to. Whereas like local to us, there's um, five shows in like there's two in the spring, one in the summer, and two in the fall. And that's it. Wow. So, so when those shows happen, there's people that, you know, it's a way bigger deal. So people are coming to spend because, you know, the animals have hatched and, you know, all these new babies are going to be, you know, freshly available at these shows. And and so, I mean, it's it's all relative. There's plenty of demand. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Less shows means there's more demand. We always have too, much, too many shows at, at some point. Or some you hear that about Eastern Canada? Yeah, and Eastern Canada is the same thing. In Toronto, they have a show... At every least month. every month, you know, month to six weeks. And the, the breeders, especially ball python guys, because you're literally like ball python, ball python, ball python, breeders, like next to each other, you know, the people are totally haggling with them because, you know, they're going to wait till the next show. Like it, if you're not going to give me like this rock bottom price, I'm going to let you feed it for another month and then I'll see if you want to sell it next month. So, so is it not like that in Western Canada since there's fewer shows? Western Canada, no, because there's fewer shows for sure. So is it not that many blood, uh, blood ball python breeders at the show? There's a percentage of them, but there's, there's a lot of variety for the size of show we have. We typically get a lot of colubrids and some different interesting things. But there are, I mean, there's a good chunk of ball, like anything, you still get a lot of ball python guys, leopard gecko guys, pretzel gecko guys. Um, so well, it's similar, but on a different scale. Ball python, the ball python market has lasted a lot longer, but I mean, we've been in this industry quite a while. Like it all comes in cycles. Like, you know, one season or maybe, you know, two or three seasons, it's like, my God, there's so many bearded dragons. Like this is crazy. Like, why are these people breeding these things like crazy? And, you know, and then they stop breeding and then it's leopard geckos or crested geckos or like ball pythons have like outlasted all of them. But you know, I'm noticing a resurgence of, of other animals and there's going to be other ones too that, you know, are easily breedable and people, you know, start breeding something other than ball pythons. So ball pythons, you know, they're great and everything, but like everybody has them. And I can't imagine how hard it is for them to sell when you're sitting next to three other vendors selling the exact same snake. Yeah, right. no. no, we still have variety up here. Um, captive bread, I would say, is the majority, but we do have, you know, a few importers, so we get stuff from Europe and Asia, and 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 even that are, you know, that's local um, in the U.S. We get some stuff. We, um, yeah, we did a few builds for stuff that would probably original originated in the U.S. So are Canada laws more strict than? We have a lot of provincial, like I know you've got, like for example. They're just different. Um, because a lot of stuff can't establish itself up here, it's probably not as restrictive as, you know, a lot of states, a lot of different animals could, could establish 
we've got pretty strict laws in Alberta here. We can't keep any venomous, any crocodilians, any of the five giants, um, and then anything that could potentially be dangerous. So there's a quite a long list of animals we can't keep. A lot of the bigger monitors and stuff, like the croc monitors and stuff we can't keep here. Um, but there's a lot of stuff we can't keep and there's a lot of stuff out there, but you know, we can, we can freely transport indigo snakes all the way across. We can keep San Francisco, San Francisco garter snakes where you guys can't. Um, so there's, you know, some of it's more restrictive, but some of it's not. But in regards to like for other places in Canada, Alberta is actually one of the, you know, the, the laws at the time were actually made, based on the recommendations of reptile keepers. So they actually, back then, listened to the reptile keepers who are well-known, and they helped. You know, a lot. I mean, we don't need to own venomous snakes. We don't need to own snakes that are, you know, potentially dangerous. And who needs a crocodile? Like, you know, it'd be great, it'd be great to own one, but the general, public, the general public shouldn't have any of these animals. So our laws are actually really good. But, like, the province over from us, Saskatchewan, like their laws are crazy. Like you can, you can, with a permit, you can own a crocodile, but you can't own a sandboa. Like it's no the, ones at all. So like yeah. literally, species you can't have, but you can have a freaking saltwater crocodile. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's there just basis for that. No, no. Well, I mean, <laughs> it was at yeah, some point. Was sure I don't know. Yeah, like here, the ones they did here, they basically tried to establish itself. They limited, they restricted in Alberta, but you can still like still there if somebody goes through the hoops to get permits and stuff, but you basically almost need to be a zoo to do it. So there's a lot of hoops you'd have to go through wildlife and all that stuff. It's not impossible. It's just really unlikely. So your average keeper can't keep anything like that. Imagine though, like even in the States, I'm sure it's, they're probably fairly similar. Um, the one thing that we don't have a lot of experience here is like in in Ontario, they have a lot of municipality restrictions where if you live in this town, you can't have specific things. But um, for us, especially, it's provincial. Um, so it's the whole province, you know, has to follow these laws. So a little bit easier, but, you know, yeah, I don't know for the U.S. I don't know their laws at all. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's <laughs> to where you would have state regulation and what's allowed in the state, and then you have some cities that restrict you further, and then yeah. obviously the country that restricts you, maybe yeah. by importing anacondas or something like that. But yeah. we we purposely moved from places, so we lived in Texas, which Not is we. me. So. <laughs> he so we lived in Texas, which is probably like the second lowest least restricted states as far as big yeah. states with a lot of reptile people and then we moved to pennsylvania which is just like free whatever goes free for all out here oh, yeah. oh. but uh that's mostly because even though i only keep corn snakes and stuff we don't I know only that we mostly mostly keep corn snakes and stuff right um it's something to where i know that the laws only get stricter as time goes on it seems so we're kind of being ahead of the ball i i came from new york which is a very restrictive state but it's also – it's a very common sense type of state. No rep, no venomous, even no retics and stuff like that. And yeah. I totally understand that. Yeah. Same. Like we can't keep the retics. We can't keep the berms. We can't keep the African rock pythons. can't keep the uh, Indian pythons or something else I'm forgetting. But anyways, no scrubs we can keep. Um, anyway, it's basically the giants, right, that we can't keep. Again, it's common sense, though. It's the animals that – 
Joe public shouldn't have to begin with. You know, I mean, it's even like the venomous snakes, you know, the whole thing back in the day was like, they're only kept by drug dealers because they want something cool. I mean, you don't want anybody to have those accessible, you know, animals that could do harm. And, and it's the people who are keeping the illegal stuff that's going to cause problems for all of us. Um, like that's the hardest thing is, you know, we can promote the hobby as much as we want, but there's so many people that are dead set against reptiles in general that are trying to stop it just as fast too. The easiest thing for them to do is just to blank regulations. So instead of going down these species and subspecies, they make it easy because they don't know these animals, so they just boom, 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 big wide swath of stuff, right? So we try and avoid that. So if we keep stuff out of the negative press and, and educate as many people as we can to all the regulations, that helps everybody. Yeah. And I mean, that's the one nice thing about the show is like, you know, everybody sees all the negative stuff, like, you know, rattlesnake bites and like people keeping venomous and, and things that do harm, like... Scaled is the first show that's which, which sh- great. I want to say for people that know what they're doing well, and have yeah. experience, yeah. And can talk for me. I have no problem with that. Yeah, no, and I don't either. Yeah. But like, that's the nice thing with with our show is that like it's you know reptiles are finally being seen in a positive light, which really hasn't done. I mean, yeah, YouTube videos and stuff like that, but like mainstream media. I mean, well, uh, yeah, back in the day, but. Yeah, but, but there the people is, today would probably frown upon the way he did it as well. At the time, they did too. A lot of the old keepers didn't like how sensationalistic or over the top enthusiastic he was. But there's a whole generations of kids and stuff that grew up and I love it. And he seemed awesome. like an amazing, awesome guy. Like, yeah, he was a little over the top, and, and, and you know, but clearly the guy was passionate about reptiles and loved them. Um, and that resonates. So that's what stuck with everybody is that guy's passion. Yeah. And years to come, like someone, you you have a video that you made a while ago, see Irwin, and someone literally commented this week, and they're like, "I'm choking up watching the video right now." Uh-huh. Like, and it's like kids seeing Steve Irwin like, for the whoa. first time. That, I mean, too. that's just crazy that years, years later, he still yeah. like has that effect on people. Well, we because they're coming out with the new show, they wanted us to film some stuff about him, and. You know, I can think back the day, I remember what I was doing when I heard that he died. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like, the, the things you remember growing up is, like, it, you know, and I didn't even have, like, you know, I grew up in a small town, so we didn't even have major, like, cable networks. Like, I don't even know if I would have ever seen him on TV. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, just it's the passion that he had and, you know, the love for the animals. Things change in time, too. Like, at the time, you know, I remember a lot of back and stuff. Yeah, the old school keepers didn't like what was going on, but some of those guys now talk very fondly about that. Like it's kind of almost revisionist history, right? Where now because it's all so much in the past, and so they're looking at stuff that's happening now. And they're going, you know what? That wasn't so bad, and and you know the guy did have that passion, so they kind of changed their opinion a bit on that stuff, which is cool. I mean, you know, it is what it is, but yeah. you know, you, again, when you're doing something, you, you get people that are going to hate whatever you're doing because they're going to find one thing, you know, hundred things they love, but the one thing they don't like, so they're going to on that right or focus on negative or be offended by whatever so you can only do what you can do and you can't worry about the rest we're canadians so we apologize a lot (laughs) you guys are the nice people canadians are supposed to be the nice ones 
know, right? And in another She's day, not like we're not. Wait a minute, what's happening? Here? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about the people other Canadians. On you. I'm talking about, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, we're done with this. <laughs> the funny thing is, there's a ton of memes going around because tomorrow pot is legal Canada wide. Someone so, just talked about that on our channel. Yeah, so we'll be even more friendly tomorrow. Yeah, our whole country's gonna be way friendlier. <laughs> I love um, what's his name, Justin Trudeau. Is that his name? Trudeau. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fans. Very American of you to not even know how to pronounce his name. What? That's okay. Just, he just likes his smile. It's French. Uh, yeah, he is a very attractive man. Probably the most attractive like world Ugh. leader. So that's got that's one good. thing going. Yeah. And we love speak much for our guy. <laughs> we have the ugliest one. You guys have the most attractive. <laughs> He's the easiest to make a cartoon character with. <laughs> Him and his buddy from North Korea, so <laughs> yeah. right there at the top. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. Way off Woo, topic. Where are we going? Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, we we tend to do. That. See, you're apologizing again. <laughs> the one thing that was funny when we first started all this is they came to us like and they were really interested in us because they thought we would have a Canadian accent and we, they were disappointed. We... Well, no, they tried to hide you it. First. Totally the do. First, the, I know the very first video they did. They tried. They made us re-record a bunch of phrases and words we said. We had to sit here in the dark in the shop one night over the phone, re-record certain words like process instead of process and a few other things to try and hide the fact we're Canadian. And then the producer, one of the guys that was working on it, the development guy, sends us his email from Animal Planet. He's laughing. He goes, he goes, you guys don't know this. We tried to hide the fact you're Canadian. And then he shows us this email from one of the head people at Animal Planet that's like, we really like these Canadians who found us, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to worry about that anymore. You, but you do have an accent. Uh, we don't think Greg does, right? We think you do. Yeah, <laughs> but when you say it, it's words, it's words. Yeah, about, yeah it is words, You say yeah. about very different. About about about. <laughs> yeah, the Americans say we say it way different than we actually say it. About like you, you very much emphasize the O's. Are... The O's. Your O's are much more are much stronger. Yeah, it's cold up here. Yeah, it's because we're it's because we're under twenty feet of snow. <laughs> but you don't say a. I totally was waiting for one of those. We need another beer at yeah. least. <laughs> we don't say it. That's not really a thing. Oh, uh, darn. Yeah. That's not really a. No. <laughs> Do you leave your doors unlocked at night? That's, <laughs> that's a thing I've heard in Canada that small they don't town, lock their doors. Small town Canada, yeah. yes. We live in a city. Just like small town America. I'm yeah. sure small town yeah. America. I'm sure like do. Topeka, Kansas, something like 20 minutes. Yeah, I kept my doors unlocked. Yeah, you told kid. me that last weekend, which is just so weird to me. Yeah, me too. I grew up near Vancouver, right? The city, so we locked our doors. Yeah, and I grew up in a small town, so we were on like a farm, like 10 minutes outside of a town. And I mean, you had attack pigs, though. Yeah, we had attack pigs. <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> no, we didn't. just made some up. <laughs> <laughs> She'll believe you on stuff like that. You can get her going for like 10 yeah, minutes. If would have known this an hour ago, we could yeah. really fuck with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get we have attack frogs in the shop. Yeah. We've got, yeah, we have little frogs with cameras. Oh, we do have something we can tell you about the show just to keep it more interesting. 
Um, we have some hidden things in the show that most people oh, wouldn't know. Pineapples? Like, yeah. yeah. Pineapples? Did you say pineapples? Yeah, that's a thing. You never heard that? No. Is that not another thing? <laughs> that's a thing. So we have. I thought that that was someone's safe word or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, she just blew your safe word. <laughs> no, pineapples are like hidden things in shows. Okay. Maybe I'm making that up. Maybe I'm making that up. It's a hospitality thing. You know, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, so we have a rooster made in a black PVC. You get it? So it's our BBC, and it's hidden in the background of several scenes. We tried to have it in the background of every scene. She doesn't know what a BBC is. Uh, the TV, the channel? Yep, BBC yep, America. That's what it <laughs> it's a rooster. It's a British joke. Oh, What's Easter egg. For... That's what it is. Not a pineapple. Yeah, it's it's another word for... What's another word for a rooster? Uh, I know what you're alluding to. I'm just not gonna yeah. say it. It was very large and it was loud. Wow! So we have that hidden. We have that hidden. All over. We moved it all over we the shop. Tried to get as many scenes yeah. as we could. I've only seen it twice. Yeah. Had that. That was just us. And yeah. uh, that was for us. That was for us. And then um, the producers during filming, my daughter said, "So cool." Like pretty much in every scene she was in, so that's a drinking game. That's for the production guys. Drinking game, though. These guys know it. Yeah. Maybe they'll use it. Yeah. Maybe we'll make it. First time Emma says so cool, everybody has to take a shot. Yeah. Maybe hammered by the end of the episode. Was there any scene you felt was like really put on? Put on. Put on. Yes. You were like, this is so silly. Not no, not was silly, but mean? like, okay, I'm thinking in the first yeah. episode. I think the girl, I got. I don't remember anyone's names. The, the girl was with the large man, and they were sitting at the table, and she was like asking him all these questions about this animal. I'm like, I know this girl isn't really thinking of these questions right now. Like, this has to be. Oh, she was. She knows yeah. the stuff about this animal, so she was legitimately asked, but she already knew the answers. That's what I'm saying. That's what. But, that's what I was like. But she, no but she was okay. just asking. She's thinking like, what can I ask about these animals? Okay. I so it wasn't fed to her. It wasn't put on like fed to her, but it was like to have a conversation where she's like, "Well, I already know, so it's gonna be boring." If she's, she's like, "Hey, this," she's like, "Yeah, I know." Yeah, I know. <laughs> so she's kind of like, tell me about the Ariel. Or what about this? Okay, I'm glad. Like, so there was a couple, like, there's a couple things that were planned. I don't want to ruin it. Very little, like, very little. Surprisingly little. Way yeah. less than you would think. Like, I mean, even, like, let's just say for the, the belt or the treadmill. I mean, that wasn't something we were going to do. That wasn't something we wanted to do. And I, like, during it, I joked about using a bell standard for a treadmill so we had to do that yeah because we're like that's the only way we're going to make a treadmill for kevin yeah a belt center, turn the belt inside out take the motor off. but yeah. stuff like you know those scenes where we're around the boardroom table like that shit gets filmed out of order like yeah. at that point we had already like built half the thing when we did that scene. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the brainstorming sessions were like sometimes we've already already know what we're going to do yeah but well, again that's a 45 minute or an hour thing they're filming and they show like 30 seconds of it so it's yeah. hard to say but the, the dart frog thing that was the one thing that was put on yeah, the dart frog thing if you guys saw that with the, like getting a chance with the q-tip that was a setup um guy, he, again because he's such a nice guy he didn't actually touch him with it they actually put some they actually were trying to play a prank on chance they put some novocaine 
on a Q-tip, right? So they wanted to actually hit him with the Q-tip and then and then be like telling him about how they, because he doesn't know about these reptiles. He's not a reptile, like two people on the cast that's not a reptile person. Um, and he knows like nothing about them. So they're talking about the dart frogs and being poisonous and stuff. So they're doing the swap. Like they legitimately set that up to mess with Chance, not for the show. So that was just to mess with him and then they would film his reaction thinking it was funny. And they were doing that and they actually switched the swab. So Tyrone had one that had Novocaine on it instead of the one that Lucas did touching the frog. And he went to go touch his face, but Tyrone's so nice, he didn't really reach out too far and he missed him the first time. Because he's too nice and didn't want to like smack him in the face. So then they were like, they had to stop and they had to like, okay, we're just going to do this. And then they had to tell Chance what they were doing. What it was. Yeah. yeah. And then it was kind and then of- he's like, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a ginger. I've got red hair. So Novocaine doesn't work on me anyway. Like, apparently, he's got like a, my dad's got some red hair and he's got a real high tolerance to like mental anesthetic. So apparently, it's a thing, it's a real thing. Wait, but anyway, we don't what? Necessarily know for sure if he does or doesn't. He just said he does. Now, so like, okay, I'm trying to see if you're if so I'm now they had to do it and then me. and then they had to actually get him. And then he overacted so much that that the producer was like, okay, we can't use that. But they just used the first few seconds of his reaction because after that, he just went right off the seat bed. Because now you're just acting and you're not an actor. But the way they filmed it and they used it, it actually worked really good in the show. And it was funny to see how they did it because the way it was filmed and, and happened was supposed to be way better. And it didn't work. Then from what didn't work, they actually made it work again, which is good. So that was kind of one thing. It was more to play a joke on chance rather than set up something for the show it was more us messing with him but when do y'all do the little, little like interview side things side things those were all like that's those were really hard to do because a lot of the times they were done like way after well and some yeah because some, some of them they do like like some of the ones we shot a bunch of them and it's weird i never saw the ones we get well otfs they call them on the fly so you, you you film the stuff you're doing this now they take you outside okay now talk about what just happened talk about it like it's happening right now so here's this and this is happening it's a little weird to do and then some of them we did interviews in another location and it was like two or three months after you filmed it yeah you have to talk about it like it literally about it like it's just right happening now and you're like you're trying to remember like what actually happened yeah. because you, so much stuff happened over those like four, four and a half months i've always and, wondered that in shows i thought they might like show it back to you yeah, sometimes, no, sometimes, sometimes they, they do. Like especially if if you couldn't remember, you know what what happened, yeah. they'll they'll show us the clip. They start to go here, look at my laptop, and watch the scene. Oh yeah, right, that's what happened. Okay, that's what I did. But like while it's happening, they don't stop us and we go outside and do an interview. Like yeah, for for the stuff that you can see like backgrounds for, like where it's outside or whatever. We would have done the reveal on the project, and then after that was done, and after they got everything on the inside, they would have us outside and talk about you know what just happened, um, like it just happened, but it was like you know two hours after. But the stuff where we're sitting down in another location, that yeah, it was like so sometimes two, three months after those interviews, especially because we would have done it once, maybe it wasn't good enough, or we said something wrong. Then they have to redo it. So. Well, not even that. It's like, it, it, some of it too is maybe the audio cuts out or it's muffled or somebody's mic, you know, you, you brushed up against it. So there's like feedback or something. They can't hear it. So like, okay, now they have to, they want the audio again for that. So 
a lot of that happens too. Yeah. Or there's noises like the amount of times in my shop we had to stop <laughs> because a plane flew over. There's an airport not far from. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, one one afternoon we we're trying to film some of the actually. Um, it was like little cutscenes where they'll show like the Eurobastics run or whatever else. I got a black background or some water or whatever. They'd be doing stuff, or you'd be taught, or the ones we were talking, the educational segments we were talking about an animal. Plane flies by, so you would stop halfway through. Can't plane to finish. Now keep talking again. It's really weird. But I mean, you got to stop <laughs> running CNC machines, all these things that you would normally yeah. do as well. When you're filming stuff, you can only film the one thing that's being, or you can only do the one thing that's being filmed. So it slows your your work down incredibly. Yeah, we're filming a CNC. Okay, that's okay. So that's not so bad because it's loud enough that you can do other stuff. But if it's a scene where they're doing some R&D or, you know, like they did the puzzle feeder, right? Well, now nothing else in the shop can happen while they're filming that. So we don't have to stand around and watch and wait. We can't work, can't make a sound while they film that scene. That may take a couple hours. Yeah, that was the the frustrating part is knowing we had to get stuff done and having to sit there. I mean, sometimes for a couple hours. Or you're working on something, you're legitimately working on it, but that's the one thing that's only being worked on at the shop. Whereas other stuff could be happening, but it can't because they're filming this one thing. You know, so okay. And they got Rachel bending a horseshoe. Okay, now nobody else can work. So they're showing that, which is great. And they're showing, you know, this is like for a build, but it's like, but nothing else is happening. So we got to wait. So it just makes all the work take longer throughout the day, right? Yet they're trying to make it take shorter. Yeah. 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 Well, they were. How about we do this, but faster? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Don't work, but work faster. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it was, it was it was so fun. Like it was such an amazing thing. The whole thing, all the way through, it was what a crazy experience. Yeah. Like that's the biggest thing for me was like it was it was so hard. It was something we had never done before, and the demands put on yeah. us were so unrealistic at some points that you're just like like we can't keep this. Doing like, this. Then doing it was such a crazy high, almost yeah. where you're like you got it done. You're like yeah, like meeting those challenges every time yeah. was so amazing that now we talk about it after now that we're not filming you're like man i miss at the time you hated it because it was so intense and, and crazy you loved it but it was it was really difficult and a challenge and now afterwards you're like you know the adrenaline's gone and you're like i miss that yeah so yeah, is it's it weird somehow when you're giving like an unrealistic seemingly deadline yeah. you just make yourself better and faster yeah you know you get find a way to do it yeah. And today, for example, I had to sleep in my truck for half an hour. <laughs> I showed up to work because I had no energy. And then I got into the shop and I slept in my chair for another half an hour. <laughs> I don't now, know if you I, did it over again. What would you do if you're filming a second season? What would you do, do differently? Preparation for me. Yeah. Yeah. Preparation. Basically, having what we were hoping is like by now we would actually have a second season. The hardest part was they were giving us clients, like literally. No start, no start tomorrow. We're yeah, start today, we're, we're starting today building this thing, and we're we haven't had time to think about anything. So, like, if we get the front end time where we know what we're building and we can plan, that means we could hire a secondary crew that's working through the night, and we're doing the stuff on camera and some of the build, but you know what we did in four months, there's no way we can maintain that long-term. And, and you can even see, you know, for, personally, you can see yourself on TV and notice when you were tired or, yeah. 
when you were off, you know, on an interview. You had like two hours sleep yeah. the night before. Yeah, you're just you, exhausted. Like, they, harped, yeah, they, <laughs> they harped on us for that. And at the time, you feel like you're doing great. And then you see yourself and you're like, holy shit, I look hungover <laughs> or I look tired yeah. or, you know, whatever. Um, but it was all like the biggest thing is planning is, and being able to have more people to do less yeah. work. I don't know that we can necessarily. We would love to be able to have a ghost crew to do some of the work at night, but I don't know if we'll be able to. But if we can be more prepared and know ahead of time what we're doing instead of doing it as we're doing it so that we can do that prep work, we can have and have the stuff nailed down. Because while we were building it, we're like, okay, we want to do this. Okay, great. It has to go through network. It has to go through production. Everybody has to approve it. It takes time. We finally get the approval back and they start to build it and go, okay, actually we can't do it this way now because of this. Then you got to go back to these people and this guy. So it slows everything down. If we can get all that done ahead of time, that should make everything go much more smoothly. Well, and I think too, because we were, we didn't have that prep time too, a big part. I, I think some stuff took a lot longer than it should have because like we're making changes on like, you know, these guys, there was a couple or one build I can think specifically where like it keep it kept having to change for stupid reasons. So like you guys had to build that the one part like yeah. three times. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and things just size took longer because yeah, yeah, size and you know, we've we've got to meet the animals requirements. We have to meet the room requirements. We have to meet what the people want. And you know, the people building might not have even seen, you know, they usually there'd be one or two people that would go for a meet and greet. Well, the people building aren't usually the ones doing that. So it was like, it, the planning is the biggest thing that would help us huge. Planning communication is the thing. We can have it. So yeah. And we've done a lot of this stuff now, so we know what it takes to build certain things now and certain thematic things that we've never done before. We've never done a lot of this fake rock work and, yeah. and stuff, um, you know, so now we know how to do this stuff that, that maybe, you know, we've maybe tried a bit of before, but when you've done it on a big scale, you can actually do it now. I also think from the production standpoint, they understand how we work better because, you know, they, we told them what we needed to get this done, which was actually probably two weeks was very realistic. So they wanted to see us get it done in one. Well, it literally wasn't going to and, happen. And like a five day week, not seven days, yeah. like, a five, like, a, like a business week. Yeah. And yeah. So I think from their standpoint too, they know what to expect now. And, and same thing, they know that they have to worry about the animals needs, just not, you know, to look good on TV. And to, when we started, I was working a full-time job elsewhere as a sales rep. So trying to balance that with this, it came to the point where it was like, hey, it's got to give. And then I just came on full-time. So now we have no way you could do both. No, I was trying to, and it was really difficult initially. Right. So that was, Part of the challenge too is so it was also learning to work together with each other too. Too much people who haven't really worked together before, and we all have pretty similar mindsets and personality and match really well together. And we did a pretty special thing, and we're also good friends. So this is good. Yeah, and we know how to work together, and we know what each other how each other works, right? So it'll be a lot quicker once you've done it once. You can do it, you know, quicker and easier the second time around. Well, and we know everybody's strengths and weaknesses a lot more, like yeah. what certain people can take on, what they can't. Yeah stress levels some people did better with stress other people's didn't so so what would it take for you guys to be able to have a ghost crew i don't know i don't know that we could like i know what ideally we'd like to but we just need to know like construction and the animals and it's such a weird thing 
to do and custom stuff. It's not just straight up, you know, cabinetry you're building. You can't bring a cabinet maker in here and have them build a reptile enclosure. You can build a cabinet, but it's got to be right for, you know, a water dragon. Well, it's got to have this and this and this. So it's a challenge. To have a full on, um, to have a full on ghost crew, I think we'd have to be season three or four where basically we have enough work that when the show's not on, there's all these big projects that we can keep people employed. Yeah, keep them going. That's the hardest thing is like once the show ended, yeah. most people went back to doing their own thing because like, you know, I've still got to stay like afloat and I've got to, yeah. I've got to make money and I can't have eight people sitting around hoping we're going to get jobs. So once we start getting the jobs and, and we, you know, have to hire on more people, we, we hire those people that have, you know, reptile experience, woodwork experience. We, we train people. Yeah. It's, it's just something that's going to take time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, you know, being, a, being in the industry, I was for 20 years or 16 years, sorry, before that, um, as a sales rep selling stuff to cabinet companies, I know, you know, probably 300 cabinet shops, lots of guys are going to tap into, but guys aren't, they already have full-time jobs. They're not going to work part-time, you know, on an unknown schedule and weird hours, they've already got a full-time job right you guys are good know what they're doing it's hard to find guys that would be able to to do that for just a small period of time temporary work part-time like, like greg said unless it was to the point where it was could he that kind of volume to keep them on full-time all the time it's a challenge now has that changed your creative process because obviously you need to you're like forced to create immediately it's changed completely, and it's funny because I, I think for me, um, having Rachel on, she's got a very creative mind, and she had that 3D background where she, like, I can draw stuff in CAD, but, like, if you were to look at all my stuff that I built before the show started, a lot of it looked very similar, you know, different sizes and stuff, but the, the way they were all designed was kind of one-track mind. Or would be somebody said, hey, I like this one. Can you build it? And I yeah. could, you know, I can look at something and copy it. Whereas she had a better architectural design background yeah. as an amazing finisher. She's also a carpenter, but also can do all the finishing work too. Which one's she going to do more of, right? Yeah. So trying to find a balance. So a lot of the designs was nice because, you know, I'm used to doing this on my own. But now having like six or eight different people that were brainstorming to come up with these like over-the-top ideas is kind of cool but it's hard at the same time because for me even with these guys they did most of the work and it was hard for me to say you know this is my business for 20 18 years I've been doing it all myself and now I have to like rely you know I have to put the trust in these in these people to, to do all these you know crazy jobs that you know I don't know how they're going to do it or I, I mean I don't think they knew at the time but we all came up with these yeah. These cool ideas and and we pulled them all off. It's yeah, crazy. All together and fed off each other. Yeah. a lot of different ideas off each other. So it became you know like kind of a group mind, right? Yeah. We were all putting stuff together for the design work, and it worked well. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there's something you all get together for a common cause. Yeah. Which I mean, obviously, you needed to get the show done. Yeah. Well, that was that was it. But like. You know dealing with the production and it wasn't just like we had to come up with that idea and like chris said we had to come up with the idea and then we had to sell it to the network and it had to be good enough we had to sell it to production and then production had to sell it yeah. to the network yeah so we didn't get to you know that killed me as a sales guy to not be able to like just let me talk to the network it's like no 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 this is what we do 
So we've got to sell it to them and then hope that they relay the message the right way to sell it to the network. So that was always a challenge too. Yeah, like the process. The process. <laughs> um, that was one I caught because they gave us such a hard time right from the start. But like right from the beginning, that was like that took forever to like, you know, they wanted us to be starting the next day, but they couldn't let us get started until like it had been approved in it. But from what we heard from experienced people in the industry and guys working on the show and working on the shows, is that this process going through, you know, with animal plant discovery and all that stuff was much more, uh, much quick, quick, uh, quicker and more streamlined than a lot of other shows. Yeah. So they said like, this is actually quick. A lot of other shows, it's a lot of red tape, a lot of hands in there. Everybody has their own ideas. So they said we were actually very lucky. And even as long as we felt it took, it was actually very quick in the TV sense. So we were very fortunate to have the team we were working with. And, uh, animal yeah. planet discovery. Yeah. Great people that were, quick to approve stuff and trust us, which is good. So we have just about two hours. So before we get off, the giant dinosaur behind you, I need to ask about that. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh-huh. Wait, what's, what's your question? question? Why does it exist and what's going on? And it seems huge. It doesn't. They're extinct. That's why it's bones. That was a silly question. Why would you not have a giant dinosaur in your shop? Did you just make that one day and decide to put it there? Is it for a project? No, no. That's so. The one thing about my shop is I have, uh, I I have a squirrel mentality, and if I get bored, I do stuff that just I think is fun. So around my shop, there's a lot of projects. Uh, I was just going to see if I could take the computer. Uh, there's actually. Oh, two. Peter hates it when you take it out. <laughs> oh, like, damn. Can you go up in the ceiling? Yeah. Why would you not have this? We've got, like, <laughs> wood animal heads everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have to this. Yeah. <laughs> well. You know what's a- cool about our business? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, well, they're back. Oh, yeah, it was me plugging everything yeah. back in again. Yeah. So the answer is because we can. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think I think. Oh, go. I I think at the heart of it is like we like to screw around and like have fun and whatever. And I think that's at the heart why the business has been so su- successful is just because like we don't take stuff like too seriously yeah. and. You know, it'd be great to have a business where it's just nine to five and we just work, work, work. But, you know, when we want to have fun, we have fun. Well, we, and we take the work seriously, like, you know, as it is. But it's you still have to have fun during yeah. the day. And, and you know, why, you wouldn't come to work and be miserable every day, right? We like to laugh and joke around and have fun. So. Yeah. So, you know, on a Friday, if we're, uh, you know, fighting or doing, you know, bored of what we're doing, you know, like maybe we make dinosaur animals. <laughs> we're like little kids here. <laughs> Well, I couldn't say that that's a bad thing. If you can, yeah. you know, do something <laughs> to where you can do childish things. Yes. Yes. There's a reason that's pretty why much we the goal. Yeah. 
You know what's funny? We're about the only ones on this right now. Just want to say YouTube's messing up for everyone. All of our viewers can only see video or only see the chat or only hear sound. Like it's just then people on the download, YouTube which is most people, is just will be messing fine. up for everyone right now. So we, it literally um, means we have one viewer because I'm wondering if this was live or how people saw this. We don't use Google Hangouts ever. So some people are watching live right now and they're like commenting in a chat, but then we also put the audio on like SoundCloud and iTunes and Which also most people. Yes. But then also the video after this is over, will still be up on our YouTube channel. So like, I mean, obviously you guys can go watch yourselves on TV, but if you were interested in watching yourself back, this will you be should cut all the terrible stuff out. Maybe get it down to like 20 minutes. Yeah. We don't edit the video. We edit the audio, which will, yes, probably be like, it'll be a lot shorter after editing. Well, let's see the mini dinosaurs now that you went on the diatribe. Sorry. What, um, how many followers do you guys have? On uh, YouTube? Sure. Uh, that's a great question. Like 7,000. We're Ooh, not great like... voice crack, by Thank the way. You. Thank you. Uh... Yeah. I, I, I just thought it was cool that somebody wanted to talk to us. So I was like, <laughs> sure, why not? Well, I just tried to go to YouTube homepage to tell you how many, and it said internal server error. Something went wrong. A team of highly trained monkeys has been dispatched to deal with this well, situation. Well, put some fucking humans on it, not monkeys, you idiots. That's why it's messed up. excuse we have to talk about reptiles and people's Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mini dinosaurs. <laughs> mini, di- mini dinosaurs. Yeah, we like dinosaurs. We love dinosaurs. Everybody loves dinosaurs. Oh, a, oh there it is. Because we didn't get to see the. We ones. didn't. We didn't Cause actually see it because it glitched. Crazy. We didn't actually see oh, the mini dinosaur. No, 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 the one on the desk. You got a lot of skulls around the shop, like and. And uh, Tyrone, yeah, Tyrone likes to collect bones, but uh, this is our this is our skull, Jimmy. So is that a legitimate human skull? Maybe. Maybe. You'll never know. <laughs> there might have been another cast member who never made it. This might it be the missing cast member. Hey, we're we keep snakes and we know a bunch of people, so uh, that wouldn't be weird to us if you had a human skull. <laughs> We did at one point have an actual human skull here at the shop. So Tyrone has a business where he collects some. Um, I guess they're considered human bones. Um, so he actually had some human bones here. He was showing us, which was really cool. We're you know we're looking at those, and then he was going to put them in a build. And they actually asked the network, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't get to. Well, that seems like a good gift for a customer. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, you know. We didn't authentic. charge you, but uh, yeah. But Leroy's parents might uh, yeah. appreciate it. Great, great, great grandfather. There is it. So, if anyone wants to get in touch with you guys, how would they do so? Um, leave a really funny voicemail message, and we'll call them back. <laughs> No, uh, anyway, I mean, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's easy enough to Google the shop and we've got a Cornellsworld.com. Yeah. Uh, we're very easily accessible, so by phone, email. Yeah. We're typically most of that. We try and be active somewhat on social media if we can, like Facebook and Instagram especially. 
I'll put it a little bit. Yeah. I always seem to forget about Twitter, Instagram too. I'm trying, I'm trying to be more active on that. Usually Facebook for me, and then Rachel's more Instagram, and then Facebook, and then Greg's kind of all of them. Well, we'll link them link them up Sorry. We'll we'll link all that below in the show. <laughs> oh, cool. sure. Yeah, big big long list. Yeah, it'll be covering the whole screen. <laughs> Um, and if anyone wants to contact us, obviously Instagram, Port City Pythons, Facebook, Port City Pythons, website, portcitypythons.com. If you want to email us, it's theportcitypythons at gmail.com. We'll yeah. see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Greg and Chris, again, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us. If you're ever in Canada and want to uh, come by the shop, yeah, come, check us out. <laughs> come check us out. You, need well, sled you can't dog. just say like Canada. That's a whole country. Yeah, like, you are on the opposite US, side too. of the giant yeah. country. It's bigger than the U.S. Yeah, like, like, that's like you saying, people. or that's like us saying, if you're ever in America, like, no. Yeah, exactly. No, we've had people come up from Florida already, actually, yeah. to come visit the shop. Whoa. <laughs> so for ever cool. actually in Calgary or yes. there. There you go. We're in Alberta. Yeah. We're in Calgary, especially. We're like uh, we're like uh, four hours from Great Falls, maybe maybe further. Four or five hours from Great Falls. Yeah, in Montana. Montana. Yeah, yeah, Montana's right, right below us. So I was like, what is uh, Great Falls? I don't know. Yeah, is. Montana's not exactly a very popular state. <laughs> I, know, I know it's. Yeah, yeah, you won't happen to be here. You'll actually be here if you're here. Not gonna accidentally come to Calgary. Like all the three America places they've like listed, America I've literally places. never heard of. Like Albany, Washington, yeah. Arlington, Washington, yeah. and yeah. like Great Falls. We're, we're nowhere near Los Angeles or New York <laughs> or Philadelphia or Chicago. January 6th, weekend, we'll be in Pomona. Um, yeah, and uh, it's like basically the Portland show is the one next week, but yeah. like an hour and a half away here or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's all new. Yeah, we'll uh, and make sure you're there because it'll yeah. be awesome. Yeah, it'll be awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, Jeff. yeah, no one, Jeff. <laughs> hey, buddies. <laughs> um, we're hoping, yeah, I know that was, um, we're hoping to uh, get to more shows. Like, uh, like as this show gets more exposure, we're hoping that um, we'd be able to, you know, maybe even, I mean, that's kind of the thing we're looking forward to is maybe people want to see them. Oh, the actually, hang out would be amazing. Yeah, we'd yeah. love. We'd love to get our expenses paid to go to uh, to shows and hang out and, and talk reptiles all weekend, yeah. but we're not there yet. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll get there. But thank you, everyone, for watching and listening yes. and all thank that good guys. stuff. We will check you out next week. Bye. Thanks for having Bye. us.